Hi, welcome to the Self-Sabotage Show with me, Damien Colhane. And today's guest is Leah Bateman. And she's joining us today from Granada in Spain, where she's working remotely. And uh, Leah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, Damien. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm Leah, and I'm a tech entrepreneur. I'm currently developing a, an app which helps people to optimize their health and wellness. Excellent. And what's your background? How did you get into to doing what you're doing? Well, uh, I started getting interested in coaching about 15 years ago when I was working in retail banking as a manager. And more recently, the last 10 years or so, I've been working in AI, building support systems, automated support systems for large organizations. And I saw that there was a need to bring these two things together to be able to give people access to support through technology uh, to help them to improve their health and wellness. Uh, for me, I found that whilst I loved working in AI, working on a computer all the time uh, was really not very good for my health. And what I wanted to do was uh, improve my own health. And I found that traditional methods weren't really working for me. So I left my previous contract a couple of years ago and I started my own healing journey. And as part of that, I realized that there's a real gap for being able to analyze your uh, subjective health. So not just what your stats show, uh, but how you feel in yourself. And so that's really what I'm trying to achieve now. Mm, lovely. And what other areas of health and fitness are you are you uh, into? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I'm a qualified Pilates instructor and I love Pilates because uh, for a long time I was uh, quite disabled uh, due to my health issues. Uh, sometimes I couldn't walk, I'd have to crawl up the stairs, I'd be in really extreme pain. And Pilates was the first methodology that I found that I was able to do in that very limited state and start to move towards wellness. So I have used Pilates to bring about a real healing change within my body. And I really wanted to share that with people and also have a more active uh, career as well. Um, alongside that, I also trained as a Reiki practitioner because I found that a lot of stress-related sickness tends to come, come in at an energetic level. And again, I found it very helpful for me and that was something then I wanted to share with others. Beautiful, so you've been on quite a healing journey in, in the last few I, years, yeah. Yes, I really have. And of course, it's a lifelong journey, but I am so different. To, if you just saw me three years ago to now, the change is just incredible. So wow. I really what, believe in the things that I practice and teach. What's the biggest change that you've noticed or that we would have noticed in that period of time? Uh, well, first of all, physically, uh, I used to be very overweight and very immobile. I struggled to walk. I had a lot of pain in my back. And now I'm kind of in the gym, going upside down on the rings, doing handstands and cartwheels and all sorts of things so physically I've got my body back I've got my mobility back which is fantastic but also on an energetic level I I really had given up 
uh, I'd tried for so many years to work with different doctors and specialists to find a solution to my very complex medical situation. And we never really got anywhere. It came to the point where I was about to have a surgery to, to get to uh, the, the bottom of what was happening. And I thought, hang on a minute, I don't really want my body being cut open. There must be another way to do this. Uh, so, <clears throat> yes, I think through all of these things that I've been practicing, really my, my energy has, has healed as well. Mm, and we can hear that and I've, I've known you for several months now and I know that you're a bubbly person and always full of energy with your you know your passion for life and passion for Pilates and what you do so tell us a little bit about an area of your life where you've experienced self-sabotage yes so I would like to talk about perfectionism because I think it's quite an insidious uh, form of self-sabotage because we trick ourselves into thinking that it's a virtue, that wanting things to be perfect is a really great thing. And in a way it is, it shows that you really care and, and you want to do things well. But my most recent experience was around my Pilates exams. So I've been studying for several years now uh, in Pilates and I had a big final exam to do and it was a written exam. So I really studied everything very carefully and it was getting into the two weeks before the exam and I noticed that my energy was getting quite affected but also that I really couldn't focus on anything else. Uh, I felt like you're going to fail, you haven't done enough studying, you can't go and see your friends because you need to really focus on this and it just subsumed my whole life. I didn't have any any energy or time for anything else and I became within that more and more anxious and less confident the more hours I studied the the less I felt prepared mm, mm, mm. so that kind of inner voice sounds to me like a, a sort of judgment it's like judging yourself you know and comparing yourself and saying that you know you're not good enough and you've got to do better and mm. so in some respects the the saboteurs, particularly a perfectionism and the judge, in some respects, are there to motivate us and make us do more and, and kind of push us. But at the same time, that can cause us to sabotage our, our health and sabotage our results. And, and as you say, lose focus on everything else. So we become almost transfixed on one thing. So what was the impact of, the, of this um, sabotage that you experienced with the perfectionism? Yes, you're absolutely right. I think the saboteurs have great intentions, but the way that they push us is quite toxic. And so for me, how it manifested was that uh, as soon as I finished the exam, I got very sick. I, I was completely burnt out by that point. And what should have been a moment of celebration and enjoyment and you know, patting myself on the back for a job well done, ended up with me just lying on the sofa for nearly a week. I, I just could not get out of it. I felt depressed. I felt demotivated. I started to get kind of uh, rundown symptoms, sore throat, bit of a cough. And I really couldn't enjoy my hard work because I completely sabotaged myself in trying to get to that point. 
Mm-hmm. So that's impacted your health and what you described as the sort of suffering that you went through. And so what was the, the kind of key thing you think that was sustaining that? What, what was keeping you there? What stopped you just sort of getting up and saying, oh, pull yourself together, you'll be fine. You know, what, what was holding you in that pattern? Mm, well, my mind just wouldn't accept that I was well enough prepared. I think that's the simple answer that it felt like however much I did, it wouldn't be enough. And so those lies that you tell yourself and that real lack of objective perception on your current state uh, makes it very, very difficult to then step out of it and, and be objective. Yeah. Wow, that's really, uh, really interesting insight. And thank you for sharing that. And in terms of other areas of your life, are there other areas that have been affected by self-sabotage or you think where this perfectionism has affected you? Certainly, it definitely affects my work-life balance. Uh, It's very difficult when I'm working on a certain project, I find it really hard to then switch off and relax uh, either with, with friends or even alone. And it's it's very similar to what happens if you're if you suffer from procrastination. That when you procrastinate and you're putting things off, you go into this place called the dark playground where you're not doing something productive, but you're really not enjoying it either. And the same thing happens with perfectionism that you you may be, you know, watching a show or reading a book or doing something that you like, but you're not really present in that because there's that voice in the back of your head going, you shouldn't be doing this. Uh, You need to be working harder. You're not well enough prepared. And so even when you do try and switch off, you're still having that energetic drain of the saboteurs in the background. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things around the saboteurs is this sort of procrastination and avoidance. And, and for me, that that manifests in what I call ineffective activity. So it's where Mm. I kind of literally go around doing things that have got nothing to do with the end result that I'm working towards, but distracting me and and stopping me from doing things and so that then becomes a real distraction that stops me achieving and then of course Mm -hmm. I start to judge myself based on that and say oh you know you're always doing this and you you know you're not good enough and you're not capable of actually achieving what you want to achieve so it is very draining when those um, saboteurs come out and and cause that Mm -hmm. type of negative emotion towards yourself so you mentioned that kind of dark playground tell us a little bit more about that how would you how would you describe that in a bit more detail well (laughs) the dark playground is a a nefarious place it's it's the place that you go when you're trying to avoid other things mainly so I would say scrolling through social media endlessly is a dark playground activity in that you're not using it productively you're not really getting anything good out of it and you're just doing it to distract yourself from other things. Mm. And when you're in the dark playground, you're not enjoying, you're not enjoying it at all. You're not getting any positive benefit. You're not having a good time. You're just hanging out there uh, when you should be doing something else. <laughs> That's really interesting, isn't it? Because what strikes me is when you, this is the first time I've heard that expression dark playground, which is why I was curious to find out mm. more about how you describe it. but when you think about, you know, those 
um, things that we do that are empty, where they just feel so mm. unfulfilling. And so then we've done something and we think that we have to do more or that we have to now, you know, try and achieve more or, or we judge ourselves on the fact that we haven't achieved enough. And one of the things for me with my saboteur on uh, procrastination, because I've, I've looked in, I've kind of got quite a lot of awareness mm. to how that shows up. And one of the areas is where, because I'm thinking about something, I therefore assume I'm doing something towards the end result. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you get Classic. it, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, um, a task I've got to complete. And mm. because I'm thinking about it, I therefore assume I'm doing something towards it when actually I'm not moving forward in any activity or any task towards that. But because I'm thinking about it, I therefore think that I'm actually doing something around it. So that whole dark playground area is fascinating to, to kind of mm. uh, really, really explore that. So, Tell me a little bit more around the the other areas of kind of emotional and and uh, the the kind of physical um, sabotage that you experienced and the impact and suffering that you've described with being run down and feeling like you didn't have the energy and you know had those kind of symptoms of being poorly. Um, mm. What how else did it impact you? Is there kind of emotional and and, and mental and psychological? Um, yes. <clears throat> yeah, certainly. It, it particularly, uh, that feeling of emptiness, like it drains so much of your energy that you just don't have anything left. And then at that point, it's very difficult to care about anything. It's, it's somewhere between apathy and depression. Mm. And you don't realize it's coming until the event that you've been stressing about is over. <clears throat> because uh, particularly with perfectionism, you go into this and, and anxiety generally you go into this uh fight or flight mode which is quite adrenalized so you can feel quite energetic but in a tense way and so you're kind of running on this uh fight or flight energy which is very helpful to us in small doses if you need to run away from a tiger then triggering that mode is amazing because it's going to give you that extra boost you need to get through. But for the majority of things we do in our life, we don't need that. So after you've gone through that period of stress and you come out of it, not only do you realize that it was futile, you don't have energy, any energy left and uh, you, you end up with adrenal fatigue and emotional fatigue and you just end up feeling so tired and empty that it's it's really very difficult to pick yourself up from that mm -hmm. and and moving on to that what sort of things have helped you in that situation to overcome that and, and get out of that kind of that lull or mm -hmm. that that sabotage well if we use the exam as an example again right before the exam on the morning i was so anxious. I was shaking. My hands were shaking. My heart was really racing. I was really experiencing a lot of physical symptoms of anxiety and stress. And my mind was still telling me, you're not well enough prepared. You're going to fail this exam. Uh, you've worked so hard and you still haven't worked hard enough. So I had a choice at that point. I could revise more. And I did take a look at my cards and nothing was going in it felt like all of the information I'd learned had just dropped out of my head and I thought well I've got 30 minutes I can try and read these cards even though they're not going into my brain or 
I could do some mindfulness practice or what we would call PQ reps. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I did some uh, breathing with labeling, which I find really, really useful. So I just put myself in a quiet spot and I started to breathe really nice and deeply and naturally. And I just labeled the things as they came into my head. So it can go something like breath, breath, dog barking, breath, breath, stress, exam, worry, breath, breath. And you just label what's coming up without putting any judgment on it, without having to consider it any further than that. And wherever possible, you just bring yourself back to your breath. And after doing that exercise, I felt so much calmer and so much more prepared to do my exam. And then I scored 100% in my exam. Wow. I was just, I was really pleased with. And I, I do feel that if I hadn't done that process before, I would have been so anxious that I would have continued to be unable to recall the information I needed for my exam. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? That you, there you are doing a Pilates, a, a, a health and mindful um, and kind of soul enriching experience. And you were getting anxious and stressed about it because of the tension of the exam. It's, it's ironic, isn't it? Um, it's very ironic. It really reminds me, or I don't know if you know of it, Solomon's paradox uh, around uh, King Solomon. So he was the wisest man in all of the land and everybody came from far and wide to seek his advice but on a personal level his house was all over the place he uh, made very bad financial decisions he kept hundreds of concubines and had all sorts of uh, urges in that area that he was unable to control uh, he had a son who he really was unable to raise in a in a very moral way and he ended up being a tyrant and and the long shot was that all of this culminated in the demise of his kingdom and so solomon's paradox says that the more emotionally close we are to a situation the less wisdom we have in that situation and i think this is what what happens with us all the time that we get so emotionally involved in something that it's very hard to bring in that wisdom and that objectivity into the situation. If we're, if we're looking at somebody else doing something, it's easy to say, oh, you know, do some mindfulness practice, or you don't need to get so stressed about this, you're gonna do fine. But when it's for you it, you, it feels so immediate and visceral that you, you just get carried away with it. <laughs> Yeah, my goodness, I'm sure there's many people can really empathise with what you've just said, because when you're close to something, as you say, you lose all that ability to be objective or to step back and mm -hmm. kind of really look at something with a different perspective or a different level of consciousness. And of course, Albert Einstein talked about this in his famous quote, that you cannot solve today's problem with the same level of consciousness that created it. This was in his uh, essays that he was writing, and uh, it would have been the equivalent of a blog or a tweet that these days but uh, he, he was writing about this in his in his essays around shifting our consciousness because if you're really close to something and as you say the adrenaline's kicked in for you to to hit the brake and stop and to actually step back and go oh hold on a minute what's going on it mm. takes an immense amount of awareness and an immense amount of control so 
we were talking earlier about the ability to use uh, mind control and that self-command, um, mm. which is is really critical to to understand how to um, have that mental fitness and to be able to be flexible in those situations and realize something is bubbling up and stop yourself and then be able to reset and really to evaluate and use the techniques that we refer to. So the techniques that you mentioned earlier, the, the thing that brought us together was around the work of Shirzad Chimane around positive intelligence. So how mm. would you describe, you mentioned the PQ reps that we spoke about. So these mm. are to do with positive intelligence for the people that are not familiar with it. How would you describe that and the work that he's done? Well, I think the work is fantastic. I found it so insightful and useful. But at that level of the PQ reps, the, the positive intelligence reps, really what you're trying to do is catch yourself when you're in that saboteur mode and using mainly sensory techniques to bring yourself back into the present moment and back into your body and out of your mind and your saboteur thoughts. And that can take many forms. So the breathing, as, as we've already mentioned, uh, lots of things around tactile activities, but also it can be something as simple as, for me, I love doing it with Pilates. So when I'm doing Pilates, I really focus on how does my breath feel in my chest? How do my joints feel when my limbs are moving? Uh, how do the muscles feel as they're contracting and releasing? And when you go into that physical focus, you really switch off the saboteur mind and you come to a place of, of presence and peace. Mm, mm, beautiful. And a lot of people use um, mindful exercises and mindfulness training, such as things like Pilates and yoga. And I can remember I was in a, a yoga studio in London and there was a very, very experienced uh, yoga teacher. And I was I was struggling with this, this um, particular move and you would hold them for several minutes, these particular movements and these particular positions. And so I was learning with yoga that it is me, the mat, and my next breath and the current move mm -hmm. you know it's like I was having to be present mm -hmm. on that moment and to learn that is incredibly powerful and I remember being in this position and I was holding this 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 kind of meditative position and being in this yoga position and uh, I remember the yoga instructor saying and now release the tension in your tongue and I was like how does he know that my tongue has got like <laughs> tension in it you know because I was holding the that, like the, this is the last muscle that I was holding on to is this this tension inside my my tongue and I was like oh yeah that's nice I let go of that and it's much better so how do you go about helping people with the Pilates and, and helping them to relax into that mindfulness and being present how do you use that so it always comes down to breath first breath is the foundation of all exercise and once once you've got the the breath down you start to look at the very subtle patterns of tension within the body and that can come down to a physical correction for example we often carry a lot of tension in the shoulders so it can be as simple as just a little touch on the shoulders to help people to reset and become aware of that or the verbal cueing uh, you can give people visual examples to help them to bring their body more into alignment and into balance. So yeah, I'd say that 
for me, touch and voice are the, the best ways to help people to reconnect with their body. Mm, mm. And you mentioned about the, uh, the the fact that you qualified with a hundred percent. So congratulations, that's amazing. Oh, well you. done. Uh, and so, using your work with Pilates, what do you see people when they're practicing Pilates? Do you see them sabotage their own move or their kind of you know their own fitness and their own mindfulness through Pilates? How do people sabotage and stop that and prevent it? Yes, there are a few ways. So the perfectionist comes in quite a lot. So as much as I coach people to really be aware of their limits, what you find is people will really, really push themselves beyond a point that is comfortable. And so then they might contact me in the week and say, oh, I really overdid it with that move and I shouldn't really have gone that far. So I come across that quite a lot. Uh, the other is the procrastinator that I always give my students homework because uh, physical fitness is, is not something that you can have once a week. It's something that you need to incorporate in your life every day. So to be healthy mentally, physically and energetically, we need to move every day, even if it's just a little walk, even if you can't walk. Uh, but if you can move your limbs and, and you're sitting on the sofa and you can just move your, your legs up and down or you can bring your arms over your head, whatever you can do, that's really going to help you on all levels. And lots of people won't make the time to do that homework so that that's how the procrastinator comes in. Other mm. people, uh, their judge is very strong. So... If they can't do something perfectly straight away, they start to judge themselves. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm rubbish at this. And then they will give up quite quickly uh, because because it's challenging them. And we do find it difficult to be challenged and to not be perfect at things. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a few ways that the saboteurs come into Pilates practice. Mm, thank you. And what sort of things can you offer people, the you know, listeners who are thinking about their own sabotage or, or how they might be able to change their focus from being in the moment of anger or sadness or fear and they want to try and shift that? What sort of tips and advice can you offer them? Well, I think one of the most useful pieces of advice is Shazad's example that emotional pain, mental pain, is akin to physical pain, that we experience pain because it's telling us that something needs to change. So when we put our hands on a hot stove, it burns us and we pull our hands away. That's useful. So why don't we apply this to our emotional and mental state? Why is it that when we're feeling very, very stressed, we keep our hand on the stove? We don't go, okay, I'm feeling stressed. Let's let's come up with a wise way to deal with what's the cause of this stress. We keep ruminating over the stress. We keep experiencing all of the physical symptoms of the stress and eventually we burn ourselves out. So I think for me, the, the best advice is don't keep your hand on the stove. Mm, mm, mm. And that's really fascinating, isn't it? Because people, you know, carry on attracting the wrong type of partner or making the poor choices or poor decisions. And so that effectively mm -hmm. is then keeping their hand on the hot stove. So yeah. 
what what sort of techniques and things have you found that's worked for you or that you've noticed work for others that that maybe people at home when they're listening or, or out in their cars or on their journeys wherever they might be listening what sort of things mm-hmm. could they do to, to help them to um, ensure they break that state as it were anything around mindfulness bringing your consciousness back into your body moving your body is going to be really helpful but also being really compassionate with yourself these are not easy things to do immediately and it takes practice as with anything that's important in life it takes some work and you're not going to try these things once and be perfect at them and that's perfectly fine you don't need to judge yourself for it you just need to persevere and the more that you can disable the saboteurs in ways that work for you uh, the the better you will cope when you come up with challenging situations mm. and the less your saboteurs will start to be triggered. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole thing around that mental fitness of sort of understanding when you're getting triggered and then what you can do in that circumstance to, to help it. So um, if it's okay with you, can you describe a little bit more about your AI app, the artificial intelligence and the, the app that you're working on? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Is that something you can share? Yeah, of course. So I wanted to come up with something which looks at all areas of health. So what we find in modern medicine is that everything's looked at in isolation. You have one symptom and then you will see your GP about that. They'll collect up some information and then they'll send you to a specialist for that area which if you just have one health problem going on, I mean, if you break your leg, you need to go and see somebody who can x-ray that and then, and then set your leg. So in, in, that sim- in those simple terms, that works. But when you start to have a more complicated health situation uh, where you have multiple symptoms going on, you might have some uh, mental and emotional problems that are interlaced with that you can't look at health in isolation. You can't look at yourself as a set of symptoms. You need to be able to take a holistic view of your life. And that's really what my app is going to do, is that I look at everything. So your physical health, your mental and emotional health, but also things like your leisure time and activities, how's your work-life balance? How is your work? How is your approach to money? Uh, what's your social life like? And it gives you a lot of different tools to really analyze across all of the key areas of your life. And I have developed a, an AI coach, which takes you on that journey. So it will prompt you to uh, provide pieces of data. It will ask you questions based on what's important to you and also based on previous information that you've provided. And then at the other end, the AI works by analyzing all of the patterns in your data. So for example, you might report that at the beginning of the week, you're very tired, your mood's very low, but as you get towards Thursday, Friday, and over the weekend, your mood shoots up. And that's a very common pattern in people who are very unhappy in their jobs. When you're not feeling energized and stimulated in your job, you tend to feel sick in the week and great on the weekend. And if you uh, ask most employers, the most common day for sickness, I found this throughout my career in all different industries, the most common day is Monday. 
So if somebody is always sick on a Monday, you have to ask, well, mm, are you really happy with your career? So being able to spot those patterns, which when you're in it, it you don't always know. You don't, you go to the doctor and if you feel rubbish on that day, you'll say, oh, I've been feeling rubbish all of this time. If you're feeling good, you kind of forget about when you weren't feeling great. So having this, what is really subjective data about how you feel, uh, can give you a much clearer picture over time of your state. And you can use that with your healthcare professionals, with your coaches, with your physical trainers, to then really plan intuitive uh, treatments that work for you. Yeah, amazing. Wow, that sounds incredible. And um, in terms of the, the way it works, then that would just be a, an app on the phone. Is it monitoring you like by a Bluetooth device or is it mostly input from, from the user? So wherever possible, there will be integrations with existing apps. So for example, I have my Garmin watch and that's tracking a lot of information for me already. So with my app, any existing data that's available from other apps will be pulled in. So it will say, oh, Leah, you did a Pilates workout today. How was your energy after you did that? How was your mood after you did that? Mm. Or I use, say, my fitness pal for diet tracking. So when I put in my food, then it can say, oh, you ate wheat again today. How did you feel after that? And then I can say, well, actually, I felt really bloated and exhausted because I have a wheat intolerance. And so even if I didn't know I had a wheat intolerance, the app has all the information about what I've eaten. And every time I say my energy is really low from, from eating wheat, then it can spot that pattern and it can make that suggestion. So yeah, it will use data from all sorts of sources wherever possible because we're all busy. We don't have time to be manually inputting all of this stuff at the time. So where you are using third-party apps, that's fine. We, can, we will pull in that data where uh, those apps allow it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, where people aren't using that, then yeah, they have the option to input the data themselves. And what's great is that you choose what you put. Nothing is mandatory. You share what's important to you and you can filter out anything that you don't want to track. And then the bot will do its best within the information that you've given to give you these patterns and insights into your life. Wow, that's amazing. So it's literally monitoring you 24 hours a day without you having to worry about it. Just put in some data and it will figure everything out for you and figure out if you're not feeling right or the energy's not right or something's aching, it might give you an insight into to what that is. That's, uh, that's really life-changing. That's amazing. Amazing. Oh, thank you, Damien. <laughs> You're welcome. So anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners about self-sabotage, any sort of last comments or, or sort of things that you'd like to say? No, I, well, I guess what I'd like to say is that we all have a unique set of saboteurs and they all play together in different ways. And it's very important that once you start identifying your saboteurs, you don't get disheartened because once you see them, you see them everywhere. And I remember the, within our group, we found this the first couple of weeks, we were like, whoa, like, we're sabotaging ourselves all over the place because you've got that increased awareness. So it's very important when you're doing this work to be really patient with yourself, be really empathetic 
and just remember that it's a journey and uh, the more that you can identify them, the better chance you have of disabling them and coming at your problems and challenges from a more wise and objective place. Beautiful. Thank you, Leah. It's been a pleasure as always to be speaking to you and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for sharing such valuable insights with us and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks for listening, everybody, and stay tuned for the next episode where we'll be having on our, another interesting guest to talk about self-sabotage. Take care. Keep safe. Bye for now.